a.m. Uh, 6.40. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Always a pleasure. Uh, your pleasure, particularly on Saturday. I'm here from 6 to 11 o'clock every Saturday morning. Monday through Friday during the week, of course, uh, from 6 to 10. And here it's from 6 to 11. Five hours today. Followed by Leo Laporte from 11 to 2. Leo's on today and tomorrow from 11 to 2 o'clock. Uh, also today, uh, the Fork Report, Neil Saavedra from 2 to 5. Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock this evening. And then Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits with a dark secret place in the ground that you never get out of. 10 to midnight. All right. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Now, uh, this is sort of a, a run-of-the-mill kind of, uh, you know, there's a couple out there, and this is in Russia, and uh, all they're doing is, uh, the only thing is suspected of killing and eating up to 30 people. All right, so, I, I mean, there are plenty of cannibal cu- couples running around. I get that. We've done tons of cannibal couple stories over the years, but the reason I want to bring this one is because we're talking 30 people now, this is a hometown buffet size case of cannibalism. I mean, this is big stuff. You know, those trays that you have full of body parts. You know, you've got ribs, and then you have a big thing of mac and cheese, and you have a big thing of dismembered air uh, heads, and uh, it's pretty impressive. So, how did all this happen? Well, a construction crew was out there working on the street in uh, southwestern Russia, and there they discovered a cell phone. So uh, the construction uh, workers go, okay, wow, here's this black Samsung. Samsung, uh, Let's look through the photos just, you know, to see. Because when, when in doubt, you find a phone, let's go through the photos. So there are uh, some photos of a man with different body parts of a dismembered human body in his mouth. Okay, that's enough. They call the police who track down the owner through the SIM card and when they show up near his house or at his house, uh, his uh, name is uh, Bakshiv. And uh, they uh, show up and uh, there they found the remains of a woman. Parts of a woman. Now, he initially said, and then they sat down and had a nice long conversation with him because whenever police find parts of women uh, in and around your house, they generally tend to sit down and go, would you like to tell me what this is about, please? Uh, so he said initially didn't kill her, but found her remains in the force and then took them home. Hey, I'm a collector. What can I tell you? Some people do stamps, right? Some people do, well, I do body parts. Okay, fair enough. Then later on when uh, they say, but, you know, you snap selfies with the body parts. He goes, well, yeah, I did that and then uh, lost my phone. However, during the uh, interrogation, the questioning, he then admits to, admits to killing her. And says that he and his wife, Natalia, have been practicing cannibalisms uh, on many occasions since the late 1990s. And uh, the police are figuring there may be as many as 30 murders and subsequent uh, brunches out of uh, their, uh, their actions. Uh, they've been charged with at least one count of murder, uh, undergoing psychological testing at this point, because I guess... Uh, that according to uh, the Russian authorities, uh, eating people uh, may be a psychological issue. Okay. I'll let you know the outcome. In the meantime, let's go take some uh, phone calls. All right. RJ. Hello, RJ. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. I work in an Indian casino that has poor... 
air filtration and uh, uh, air circulation that's making me sick. Um, what uh, can I do? Okay, I, first of all, uh, number one, how do you know that it's that that's making you sick? Uh, when I'm underneath the air, air, air conditioner comes, when the air conditioner comes on from the ceiling, uh, cold air uh, and all that, um, when that hits me, I, I and other people start hacking and coughing. I uh, went to a uh, allergist, ear, nose, and throat specialist. They confirm that there's something in that air that is causing me uh, to uh, have these okay. reactions. Uh, are you still working there? Yes, I am. Why? Uh, I livelihood, and uh, I need my job. All right. So, what? What? So, what's your question? Uh, what can I do to uh, kind of put the their? What can I do uh, to get them? To investigate this situation, you talk about the authorities. Uh, what I would do, see, I don't know about uh, what kind of authority that the, uh, let's say, building and safety uh, or the health department has on Indian casinos, uh, because there's a whole jurisdictional thing going on with Indian casinos that puts them in a whole different planet. But RJ, if you want your job, the second they know that you have started to complain, your job is done anyway. You know that. Uh, that's what I fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question. I mean, if I were uh, the uh, president of the tribe or the chief or whoever makes that decision, uh, you'd be gone in two seconds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, first thing you want to do is uh, call, uh, well, call the uh, the county because uh, it, w- it won't be a city. It's the county and find uh-huh. out if uh, the health department has jurisdiction to go in there. Explain to uh-huh. someone and be anonymous yeah. about it. And yeah, then. I did check with Calosha. It's not under their jurisdiction. Oh, then you're done, RJ. Then it's under the feds. And even the feds may have absolutely no jurisdiction when it comes to that issue as far as uh, what happens at an Indian casino. Because there's certain things that there's just no jurisdiction. They're on their own. They're They're a sovereign nation. The Indian nations are a sovereign country within the United States with some... Uh, variables. It's really bizarre, but it's a hybrid country in a country. So okay, well, I, I think, the, yes, go ahead. Oh, oh, one other thing. Okay, then could I could I could I uh, put in a workman's comp claim on mm. that? Uh, maybe, maybe you got to call the workman's comp board and find out if uh, you are covered under workers' comp because again, it's an Indian casino. Whether that jurisdictionally works. Uh, but you're going to have to prove that your workers' comp is based on that. Right. Uh, or yeah, make the claim, because workers' comp is easy. Uh, once it's established, you've been hurt, and it connects to the uh, to the workplace, then it gets fairly easy. So it's uh, you have to find out the jurisdictional part. You just call. It's real simple. You call and say, hey, do you guys uh, have jurisdiction over this? And then you go from there. All right. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Uh, hello, Josh. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. So, so um, here's the facts. I, I work for a nonprofit uh, for the county, and uh, we partner with a lot of other nonprofits so uh, our customers can get the most out of, you know, whatever programs there are out there. Uh, I started uh, referring a few people to a certain one, and I started uh, receiving referral bonuses. I haven't received them yet. But I let my management know about it so that um, there wouldn't be conflicts of interest and stuff like that because we've had meetings on that before. If you work for somebody else, there could be, you know, conflicts of interest. 
So um, now they're trying to tell me that the money that's owed me, I need to give back to my management and put into our company, and I need to pay it to them and sign the checks over to them. And uh, I was wondering, you know, is that legal? Should I do that? It depends on the agreement. It depends on what the agreement is in terms of the referral. I mean, they're just not going to hand you money. There has to be some agreement as to how much, what the referral is, who it goes to. I mean, it's not just a verbal agreement, is it? Um, I, I sign up as a volunteer for them, and once I refer someone, once their system gets installed, um, I get the money for that. I know, but as, is there a written agreement to that, Josh? Um, no. Then they don't get. Then there's nothing you can do. Hey, uh, they promised me this. No, we didn't. But I'm supposed to get no, a no, referral. No no, 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 no. I'm getting. I'm getting the money. And now they want. Now they want it back. No, my management wants me to give the money from the nonprofit that's paying me to them. And, and, and your management money. has nothing to do with it, correct? No, it's a separate entity. Oh, and then you say no, thank you. How much do they want? They they want the whole thing. But the thing how, is, much is how, how much is that? How much? How much is that? Um, right now, I think it's 600 but it might be building, but um, they're going to 1099 me on it. And so I'm saying, okay, you want the money, but I'm going to pay the taxes. Right. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, you tell your company that it's just not going to happen. And then you have to decide, do you want your job? Do you not want your job? Are they going to throw you out for that? Because if they're 1099 you, uh, 1099-ing you, Josh, uh, they're paying you. Exactly. It's your yeah. money. It's your money. So, uh, yeah, y- your issue is with uh, the company you work for. And say, hey, you know what? I'm getting 10.99. This is my. I don't know where you get the money because it's not coming from me. My other question is: Is there any way that could be a conflict of interest if they're a separate company? I mean, because the thing is, sure, that sure. I handed I, I handed a brochure out. Doesn't matter. It can be a conflict. No, it can be a it can be a conflict all day long. I'm not allowed to work for another radio station under any circumstances. That's considered a conflict. Uh, even if it has nothing to do with this, even if it has nothing to do with uh, even anything in this market. Well, they're a partner organization with us. It doesn't matter. It's what it's what they get. They determine, Josh. They determine the conflict, not you. Okay. All right. But I wouldn't pay him any money. Yeah. What you think is a conflict and what I think is a conflict are two separate things. Unfortunately, I'm not in a position to tell my company, uh, you know, there's no conflict here unless I want to go to court. <clears throat> Hello, Brett. Yeah. Yes. Hi, how are you? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so um, here's the thing. I'm are you on a speaker? Are you on a speakerphone, Brett? I'm in my car. Okay. Do you want me to call back? No, no, or? you're fine. No, you're fine. Go okay. ahead. I pulled over. Um, so I uh, rented a house for six years. All right, I'm losing you I'm- again. Hold on. You rented a house. If you're pulled over, can you handhold? Are you, are you holding the phone in your hand? Uh, here, I'll put it in my hand. Right? That would be better. Okay. All right. Much better. All right. What can I do for you? Okay. So I rented a house for six years. And when I moved out, the owner kept $1,300 of my deposit, which was completely unfair. All right. And, how, and he had to explain to you why he took the $1,300 out. What, on what basis did he take it out? Um, he said that he had the carpets cleaned. He said he did some maintenance. And he said that uh, there was some trash that was that was in the front by the garage that needed to be removed. So he charged me for all of that and for all the grooming of the trees and plants. Yeah, he can't do that. Brett, he can't do that. Wear and tear he's responsible for. So theoretically, the only thing he could charge you for is removing trash. How much can it cost you to remove trash? 
you pay someone 12, 12 bucks an hour and have what two hours three hours uh so yeah he pretty well screwed you and uh, first of all did he do it within three weeks or four weeks did he give you an accounting he did not all right so you got him just sue him small claims court brett you'll get it you'll get it back i'll get it back oh yeah every dime yeah you'll be fine Okay, thank you. All so right, much. yeah, people, landlords do that all the time, and uh, that's just the way it goes. You know, you have to sue them, you have to take them to court, and then they hate you, but you're out of there already. The, tr- the problem is suing landlords while you're still living there. That always becomes a problem because everybody hates everybody that sues. You sue me, I hate you. I sue you, you hate me. If I'm your landlord and I hate you, I can make your life miserable. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Susan, uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, um, I'm recently in the middle of a health scare, and I had to have an ultrasound. And so I'm lying on the technician's table naked and the technician asked me if i'm jewish hmm and that is uh you're asking what so then after and after we're in the middle of the test and everyone's standing around looking at the screen my husband the radiologist the two technicians and i don't even get a chance to look at what's going on on in my body on my body um, I don't know if that's normal or what. So well, what okay, there's two issues here. One is uh, him asking you, the tech asking if you're Jewish. Well, let me start with, are you Jewish? No, I'm not. You're not Jewish. Ah, then I would really be offended. If someone asked me if I was Jewish and I wasn't Jewish, I would really be offended. If someone asked me if I'm Jewish and I am Jewish, I'm only half offended. All right, so uh, that's one issue. The other issue is you asking to see what was on the screen or was on the x-ray or whatever uh, the device you were looking at, the screen? Right. Is that correct? Yeah. All right, fair enough. First of all, the Jewish part uh, doesn't matter. I mean, as offensive as it is, it's offensive. And I have no idea. I don't think any law was uh, uh, was violated. Uh, he just asked a question that was stupid, and uh, that's it. It was just stupid. Uh, it could be a no, fe- no hip no HIPAA laws. No, she, he asked you if you were Jewish. What did he? Where did he violate HIPAA law? Who did he tell that you were or weren't? And more importantly, what did he tell about you medically that you were or weren't? And he didn't even know because he asked you. Well, because of my name. What was your? Oh, yeah, I don't want to. You don't. You don't want to use your last name. So it's like, okay. That's a question. Are you Jewish? You go. No. That's it. Conversation over. I mean, that is not a violation of any law. Nothing was broken. No law was broken. It's just uh, some people would be uh, offended by that. All right. And you can write to the hospital and say I thought it was offensive and do something about it. They'll probably write up the tech, bring him in or bring her in, and simply say you shouldn't do that. Slap on the wrist. It's in your file. Thank you. You're done. So that part, uh, there's absolutely nothing there in terms of violation of law. Now let me get you the uh, the more important issue, and that is uh, looking at uh, the screen and them saying no to you looking at the screen. Again, no violation of law, Susan. They don't have to show you the screen. There's nothing that says you have to see the screen. Policy is they're not going to show it to you. They can do that. 
Boy, that's something you didn't want to hear. Why no, aren't you? I just, why no, aren't I just you, wonder why? Why? Because they I just don't want to show it to you. I don't think you have a right to. See, I don't think you have a right to see the screen because that's simply part of uh, the examination. So they can show my husband that, but I can't see what's going on in my own body. Well, they can. Yeah, the fact that it's weird that they're showing your husband that, but I don't think there's a violation of law. There may be a, a policy violation. Why would they show your husband and not you? Maybe because uh, it's going to make you uncomfortable. Maybe because. Uh, it's going to make you upset. I have no idea. Maybe, And their policy is you don't show the patients uh, their stuff. I mean, that's there's no violation there, Susan. Why aren't you Jewish? Would you consider converting? No, thank you. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, anybody who doesn't, doesn't want to convert to Judaism, come on, give me a break. Well, she didn't want to hear that there was no violation there. Asking someone, are you Catholic? Are you Jewish? Do you have brothers? Do you have sisters? It's conversation. Now, it's weird conversation. I'll grant you that. All right, Bill. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Bill, you there? Yes. 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 Go ahead. Hey, well, uh, I was involved in an automobile accident. I was hit from behind. The uh, lady's insurance company has already paid for the car that that she totaled. Uh, I was an Uber driver at the time, so my car was taken out of service until I could get another one. It took me about 12 days to uh, to get another car and get it back in service. So I went back for four months, and I uh, averaged up how much money I made from Lyft and Uber, and then I divided it by the number of days. I got my average, and I multiplied it by 12, and they owed me 960 All right, wait, wait, wait a second. You, uh, you multiplied it by 12? Why would 12 you? Days. 12, 12 days. days out of service. Okay. And uh, here, and you want to know, can you collect that? Because part well, of your damage is where you lost work. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, they submitted to me, they're willing to pay me $460, and they give me no rationale. Uh, yeah, here's the rationale. They're splitting it with you because uh, you have a legitimate case saying, I lost this amount of, amount of money in work. Here's the formula that I've used, which is totally legitimate, by the way, Bill. Uh, that's exactly what a court would want to hear uh, in terms of you setting up damages. But there's uh, here's the problem. is just the average doesn't mean that you would work the average. For example, when you talk about average, were there weeks in which you only worked five hours a day? No. It, you work eight, well, how many hours is that, incidentally, that you work? Well, I work 20 to 30 hours a week. All right, so uh, did I you... Do it, I do it until I earn a certain amount of money, and then I stop. Well, but again, you don't know how much uh, you would earn well. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it. I'm going to. I'm going to give it to you, Bill. Now, the question also is: when you received the payment for the car being totaled, you signed a release. No. no. They just paid for it without you signing anything. They sent. No, they said that was separate from the wages. They sent me. A all right. Thing then you say so. All right. Wages. Then here, then here are your choices, Bill. You accept it as a, as uh, it is splitting it down the middle, or you take her to small claims court. So I have to do that. Oh yeah, the that's the only. Oh yeah, of course, that's the only way around it. What, you say you're owed nine hundred. They say we're willing to pay you four hundred. How do you right. think that plays out? Someone's got to make that decision, and it's not going to be you, and it's not going to be them. Right. Okay. That's so what I thought. Yeah, and but 
But on the good side, the uh, the proof that you're bringing to the table, I think, is pretty good. Okay. I think uh, it's about as legitimate as you can get under the circumstances. All right, Dario. Uh, hello, Dario. How are you? Yes. Good. So, uh, are you on a speakerphone, Dario? No, I'm on myself. All right. Well, it's pretty crappy, but all right. Uh, go, go, go for it. Okay. Uh, we renewed or leased a couple months ago for uh, another year with our landlords. Now, what happened is my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, uh, they cut part of her foot because of some uh, disease she had, and she moved in with us. So we have to take care of her. And she came all the way from Canada. And right now she's living in, uh, like, she's, her bed is in the middle of her living room because we have only three-bedroom house and I have two kids. So we talked to the landlord, said, this is our situation, you have to move. But she's not making it easy. So what are our options? Uh, you have none. You have none? Yeah. So now, you can put a bed in the living room. That doesn't matter. It's all what the number of people that are limited to is what the lease says. That okay. says you can only have X number of people living there. Okay. And uh, if she's over the line, then you have a landlord that says you're done. Now, no, the, the landlord is... I'm no, sorry. You want to move out. You want to move, move out. Okay. Yes, you want to move out. All right. And you want to know if you're you would be liable for the rent? Yes. You are. Of course you are. You're the one that's breaching the contract, Dario. Uh, well, this situation doesn't. No one cares. No, no one cares, Dario. Uh, the law doesn't care. Nobody cares. Uh, the uh, landlord doesn't care how much your of your mother's foot was uh, removed. It's not like uh, it's not as if it's a question of inches. Uh, two inches of the foot uh, are equivalent to you can stay in a, a month, and it's one it's one uh, month per inch. Doesn't work that way. Okay. All right, there you go. Unless you have a, a lease that would say that you're allowed an extra person, but only one, a one legged extra person, or you could have an extra person with one half of one foot, which seems to be what he's asking, isn't it? This is handle on the law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handel on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hello, Alex. Hi, how are you? Bill? Yes, what can I do for you? Okay, so I want to see if I have a case. Um, I went on the weekend to the Aquarium of the Pacific, mm-hmm. and I bought a bag of chips, Doritos specifically. And uh, my wife opened it, and four big cockroaches came out. Wow, that's fun. Okay, and you want to know? If, uh, and you want to know if you have a case? Right. All right. Well, yeah, I think so. The only question is, how much you think uh, a bag full of roaches is worth? Well, that's my question. Uh, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, well, not much. Okay. I mean, it's pretty disgusting. Granted. But right. it's uh, all she sees is uh, a bag full of roaches, and the only thing that can uh, the harm here is psychological. Exactly, and yeah. that's it. And so, yeah. how do you determine how psychologically she was hurt? Well, I would uh, have her go to a psychologist for a while and talk about her fear of cockroaches, and she'll never be able to open a bag of chips again for the rest of her life. And incidentally, what's that worth? Okay. That you'll never be open, able to open a bag of uh, chips again. Because, for example, let's say I'm defending the chips. Right, This is Doritos, right? right, right. All right, so I'm Frito-Lay. And I would ask uh, your wife, what's your fir- uh, what's, uh, Alex, what's your first name? 
My name? No, her name, her first name. Oh, uh, Blanca. Bl- uh, Bianca or Blanca? Blanca. Blanca. Okay. So she's on the stand and saying she'll never be o- able to open a chip, a bag full of chips again, which is probably true, incidentally. I don't have a problem with that. And here I am, totally destroyed. And the attorney says, well, Blanca, how about you hand someone else a bag of chips and say, would you open this for me? That's a defense. Then you have the psychological damage. Okay, She can say she's psychologically damaged and can't sleep and is uh, the normal stuff, humiliated and destroyed for the rest of her life and will never be able to uh, deal again with people and is frightened of elevators and can't stand, uh, can't be in the sun and scared to death of of going outside the door, whatever the hell you uh, bring up. But uh, the bottom line is, as disgusting and horrible as it is, Alex, uh, you know what? It's it's not much there. Now, did you take a picture of those cockroaches? Of course. I still have the bag, actually. Ah, well, then what you want to do is contact the folks at Frito-Lay and ask them what do you think it's worth. I did. And what did they say? I sent, I sent, I sent them an email. I got a reply yesterday. And what did they say? Uh, and they, they just apologized and said they were going to send some coupons on my way. All right. That's probably all you get. How, how, what, uh, how many coupons are you going to get? I'm not sure. You know what? When they send you the coupons, negotiate for more coupons. I mean, literally, <laughs> that's your honest, that's your negotiation. Honest, honestly, honestly, we we were big fans of Doritos. I don't think we'll ever eat them again. Oh, I get that. It's just disgusting. You no, know? Well, yeah, it is disgusting, and uh, it's uh, well, it's protein, so that you normally get in. Uh, right. You don't you don't normally get that in Doritos because it's all carbs right. and fat. But uh, yeah, uh, as disgusting as it is, there isn't a whole lot there. I mean, there's coupons. Uh, here you go. Buy, and it's hilarious. Because the whole point of opening a bag of Doritos with roaches in them is how disgusted you are with the Doritos, and they send you coupons to buy more Doritos. Huh. All right, Krista. Hi, Krista. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. My boyfriend turned 51 last year, and he received, as part of a trust, Uh, his house that he's currently in, and some stocks. His sister's the trustee. It took about eight months to get the stocks, but he finally got them, and now she's kind of jerking him around with the house where she signed the loan, the papers to give him the deed, and she made a mistake. And so she has to re-sign them, but we can't get a hold of her. All right, that gets easy. Okay, that gets easy. You find out where she lives, which you know, send her, go to, you have to go to an attorney on this one. That's what I would do, but only to send them a letter. Okay. All right, just to say to him, listen, you've been uh, jerking me around. I probably would, uh, the, the attorney would probably use other words. And uh, you are uh, in breach of your fiduciary duty, and I will bring a an action against you uh, because you are not meeting your duty under the trust. Now, a nice, strong letter saying he's about to get his ass sued off. Right. And that should that should do it. And if not, you may have to go to court. And force the transfer of the property. But I, my guess is, based on the, what you, you tell me, once she gets that letter and she's looking at the possibility of a real lawsuit, you think she's going to uh, defend it and not do what she's supposed to do? No, she doesn't want to use their money. Right. And that's exactly the case. So uh, okay. the letter should do it. Uh, and you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars for that or 300 and that you have no choice. You have to do it. Uh, and then I turn around and sue her in small claims court, actually, uh, for that. All right, Jay. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you? Uh, how do I 
keep my neighbor from turning their R1 residential house into an R3. Well, you have to fight. You have to fight the rezoning. Okay. I, okay. But the, the city it says it's supposed to be an R1, and they're making them turn it back into an R1 from an R3. But I don't see it happening. Is there? A, no, is there no, no. You've got it's it's between the city and your neighbor. And all you can do is all you can do is fight it. You can go to your city council person who has tremendous uh, say, may even have uh, the legal ability to say no. But if nothing else, certainly has a lot of influence, can talk to the planning department uh, or in this case, uh, whoever does the zoning. And it could be an offshoot of uh, the city council, depending on the community. And you have to fight it from there. You're not going to go to court. That's for sure, Jay. You're going to have to fight. You're going to to fight it from the inside. And there'll be hearings usually. And if not, they'll be able to take comments as to why you're fighting it. And then he has to argue why he is turning it. And what here's the problem from them for uh, telling him to turn it back. That's hard to fight because you've got you already have a decision from the city. What do you want to do? Do you want to bring it back to an R three? No, I'm going to bring it back to an R one. And they've already just and they've already made the decision. They said that they're going to make it into R one. Okay, but they haven't done it yet, right, Jay? They have. They have not done it. Okay, yet. then you have to go to the planning department and argue. Okay. You ha- you've said you're going to do it, but there's not much you can do to change it. Yeah, it's in their ballpark. You have. I, I don't think. I possibly you can file a lawsuit, but. Good luck. I think you're screwed on that basis. All right. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640. Bill Handle on a Saturday morning. Uh, The lineup today is a Leo Laporte from 11 to 2 o'clock. Uh, the Fork Report with Neil Saavedra uh, from 2 to 5. Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock. Mo is heard today and tomorrow from 6 to 8. And uh, then it's uh, Monique Marvez, 8 to 10, followed by Brian Suits. And uh, Brian is heard twice also tomorrow tonight from eight uh, from 10 to midnight and tomorrow from 8 to 10, if I have that right. Got it. Okay. Uh, this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Now, usually we are shocked about the way uh, in the Mideast people are executed. Saudi Arabia, for example, with the beheadings. I mean, that's kind of public beheadings, mind you, in the square where people sit around. Uh, Also, they're uh, very big on cutting off hands of pickpockets and thieves, for example. And uh, really ruins the whole issue of hitchhiking. And so you have a fair number of people who have had one hand cut off because of pickpotting, pickpocketing. Very, very few people who try it again. You don't see many running around with two hands that have been cut off. Just saying. Okay. Uh, Iran, they do a lot of hanging. For some reason, uh, that's their execution uh, method of choice. And so everybody, of course, is outraged. So let me ask you about your outrage on this one. Uh, There was a man... 42-year-old man, Ismael Jafarzadeh, uh, was convicted, found guilty of raping and murdering a 7-year-old girl. And this went completely crazy in Iran, as you can imagine. 
He confessed to the murder after the body of this little girl uh, was found in the garage of his house. She disappeared when she was separated from her dad at a market. He was a vendor. And, of course, uh, the case provoked such anger uh, on social media. And he was he ended up being hanged in front of a cheering crowd in a public square. And the prosecutor said the execution took place in public to restore citizens' sense of security and relieve their troubles mind. Even the president of Iran intervened, called uh, the case horrendous, the crime horrendous, demanded that justice be handed to the perpetrator. Who is going to argue with this one? I don't care how horrendous you think all of these executions are, and, and they are. I mean, they uh, when you have spies, for example, or what the Iranian government deemed uh, you're a spy from Israel or the West and they hang you. Okay, that's yeah, right. I mean, that's crazy stuff. And you know how insane that is. This one, man, if we did a poll, uh, what do you think uh, the pro let's hang him group would be versus the oh, no, uh, that's barbaric. All right. Let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Sabrina. Hi, how are you? Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, yes, I have an income property, and my tenants were on a lease uh, for the first year, and then uh, they lived there about two and a half years. They, um, I, I gave them their deposit back minus four hundred and fifty for cleaning and minor repairs. Do I have any obligation to have told them ahead of time that I was going to keep that four fifty? No, you just do it when you give the accounting. Okay, I have a feeling that they are going to sue me. Because okay with me about that? So, so you just defend it. That's all. Right. On the original lease, I had a clause in there that said the first $50 of any repair were their responsibility. I never charged them that at all. Could I counter sue them for that? Yeah, theoretically. I mean, you could. Uh, the problem is that uh, any repairs uh, other than wear and tear, you're responsible or repair and uh, wear and tear you're responsible for. If there is something that has to be repaired that's outside of wear and tear, yes, they have to pay, especially if you put down 50 bucks. Yeah, you can countersue or you can oh. simply set a countersuing just to fend and say, by the way, uh, they owe me 50. No, countersue because if the judge, in fact, uh, gives you your entire amount back or doesn't give them their money back, you're still fi- out 50 bucks that you should get. So, sure, you can countersue. Why not? Okay. Yeah, mostly they were plumbing issues. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay, so whatever, whatever it is, it is. Uh, hello, Rick. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. I'm working for a company for, uh, I'm on the books for the last three years. My availability is very limited. When they hired me, that's what it was, my availability. And they, I've been working two and a half years, three days a week, whatever. Now, for the last six months, they changed their scheduling system, and now I don't get any hours. They say we don't. Or is it you're available? What are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm not going to quit, and they're not going to lay me off, so I'm wondering if I'm entitled to get any kind of unemployment. You can argue that uh, effectively they have laid you off and apply, okay. for, and apply for unemployment because de facto they have laid you off. If they're not going to give you hours, uh, then you, you're continuing working for the company for no money, which you don't deserve because you're not working, doesn't help you at all. So uh, I would just make the decision that you're out of there and apply for unemployment and uh, write them a letter saying, effectively, you have laid me off. 
uh, and then go into the two and a half years, although they can change uh, that up. I mean, they're allowed to change the hours, et cetera, the scheduling. But that's going to go to uh, the officer, the in, uh, unemployment uh, hearing officer. He's going to see that. It's a dead bang winter. winter. You'll get unemployment. Okay, Bill. Thank okay, that's much. it. Yep. Uh, because that's a constructive firing or laying off. Uh, they're going to say, oh, we're not going to lay you off, but we'll never give you any hours. Uh, what do you think that means, huh? All right, Pat, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Pat. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I have a real estate question. Sure. We own a duplex. My husband and I own a duplex, and we own it with my sister. We own half, and she has the other half. It's legally one parcel, one property. So our half we own, but her half, if she passes away, She's deeded it, or it's in her will to go to her boyfriend because he's been helping her. Yeah. Okay. Her and, your, and your question? Well, if he'd be, you know, if he was no longer there, and if my sister passes, then it's in a will that I have four other siblings, and then the pro- she has several properties, so everything would be pooled and then divided among the siblings. So my question is, how do we protect the other half? All right. Well, you can't protect the other half. It's up to her to protect the other half. The simple question question is, how is title held on that duplex? I know all three of you in there. Is it held uh, joint tenancy? That I do not. Then know. I can't I answer. They, then joint. I can't answer the question, Pat, until I know how title is held. I, I believe it's joint tenancy. Then it, your sister dies. It goes to the two of you, you and your husband. It's over. There's nothing to leave in a will. Nothing. It, she can leave a will all she wants, and that property has nothing to do with it because it transfers to you when it's joint tenancy. Okay. If it happens to be tenants in common, then she can will that half to anybody she wants. Okay. And you happen to have a new partner. Okay. All right? All right. So you have to find out how how it is held and uh, how the deed is written up. And I get that question all the time, and you have to find out. You have to look at it. You have to say, how how is this uh, title held? Well, I don't know. Then I can't answer. I can give you some, okay, if this happens, then it's this way. And if that happens, then we go this way. Uh, no. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Uh, Nina. Yeah, Nina. Hi. I have four implants down uh, on my lower um, jaw and four on my upper jaw. Um, the lower dentures, and I had this at a university in Westlake, uh, the lower jaw is a problem. I had this done now for about a year and a half. The lower dentures have cracked twice and three teeth. Okay, hold, okay, dentures, no. you have dentures and implants, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, so lowers or dentures or implants? I have four implants and a denture. Got it. Okay. And it's and what is cracking? The denture or the, the implants? Denture. 
dentures. The okay, dentures. well, that's easy. Okay, those are fairly easy to replace. You just ask them to redo the dentures. Well, that, that's the problem. So now three teeth have fallen off. Of the dentures. Of the dentures. Okay. And I keep on going back. Oh, I see. Okay, and they're not, and they're not willing to do anything? Well, they are fixing it. All right, so... They're charging me every time I go there. Well, okay. Yeah. And And now they said the latest discovery is that the teeth are wearing down. The teeth are wearing down or your dentures are wearing down? No, the teeth. The teeth, they... soft. I guess the material. Okay, the teeth, the implanted teeth are wearing down, correct? Yes. Yes. All right. So they don't want to redo it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And you want to know what to do. Exactly. Well, uh, you've got a malpractice case just because it was done in a university, and I'm assuming by student dentist doesn't uh, uh, doesn't waive uh, their liability when it comes to malpractice. Nothing does. Problem is, it's is it a private university? Uh, boy, I don't think so. Uh, I, what? Yeah, what? Yeah. yeah what yeah, public? Uni- what public university is? Yeah, I don't know what it just gets a lot more difficult when it's a public university. If it's private, then uh, then it gets fairly easy. You've got meta, you've got dental malpractice on your on uh, in in this case. The problem is who's going to take it, Nina? That's the problem. It's uh, you know, lo- no lawyer I know would take something like that. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Now you can get uh, another dentist to say this is what it's going to cost to fix it all. And it's probably going to be in what the two, three, four thousand dollar range, I would guess. Yeah. Yep. yep. And yep. And so you can sue for that, but small claims judges generally are not happy with uh, with dental or men or medical malpractice cases. They work on contract issues. Now you can argue that it's not even a medical malpractice. They said they would do this, and it didn't happen. And I don't even care how it happened. I'm not arguing medical malpractice. I'm arguing a breach of contract. And here's what it's going to cost to fix it. I have to go to another dentist. It's $4,000. That's what I'm suing for. Okay. That's, what, that's the way I would do it. Because you, even though from the sounds of it, you have a malpractice case, medical, dental, they're the same, uh, malpractice case, uh, it's not worth enough. All right, Gary. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I, I do for you? For, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, I received a letter from a collection agency. It's got my name and address on it. Um, it's for a small amount, $77, but uh, it's from uh, a, a cable company that I now am a current customer of. I've gone to them. I've talked with them. They said this is not my account, that my account is up to date, and it's, it's not me. So um, I guess my question is, how can I communicate with the collection agency? Yeah, okay. You Do know, you have, okay. This, a protracted- or, well, you're going to get into a protracted because there's no way yeah. around it. Now the trick is for you to get out of it. Do you know who you yeah. talk to at the cable company? Do you have dates and times and names? Well, I... I, I talk to them. No, I don't. But okay. I, I mean, I talk to them. That would just make it online. Okay, but yeah. that would just make it easier. First of all, do everything by email okay. so you have co- so you have uh, you have uh, oh. copies of everything, and then you simply say, "I talked to Fred at this date, who okay. said I don't owe the bill." Fred tells you you okay. don't owe the bill. You ask him to send you an email that memorializes that. Would you please, Fred? Would you oh. please tell me that I don't owe the bill? Then you contact the collection agency. Now, you've already asked Fred to contact the collection agency, but uh, don't, uh, don't rely on that because I don't think they right. pay attention. 
Then no. you go to the collection agency and you go, I don't owe this bill. Here's the proof. Get rid of it. And please contact the company, which, again, they won't do, probably. Right. And you just keep on going. And at some point, Gary, this becomes <laughs> in violation of uh, the Credit Act. And it turns okay. right into harassment. So it's just... There's no way to do this quickly. You're through the cracks. In other words, there you are on the record owing money, $77. Right. And to undo that is uh, just a zoo. But you have to. You have no choice other than just pay the money. Some people just write a check for 77 bucks and say, is that worth it? I mean, is is that worth it for $77? Uh, You know, for me, it's not. But $77 doesn't mean a lot to me. If it means uh, a fair amount to you, then you fight it. Okay, and how do and how do I make sure that this doesn't end up on a credit or or can I? But you tell I, them. I this, no, you tell them. Yeah, I, I, you, you say I do not expect this. Up. Yeah, I do not expect this to ding my credit because this is a wrong bill and I don't owe it. And I've already informed right. you. And then you repeat it again, or okay. in All the right. initial letter you say uh, if if you ding me on my credit, if you put a negative uh, report on my uh, credit report, a negative statement, then you are liable. Or I'll you say, handle, contact you. Yeah, right. I'll be doing that. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk, Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hello, Jill. Welcome. You're up. Oh. Hi. Yes. So I received papers the other day from the Labor Board. And it's regarding a babysitter that I had that I haven't used in probably almost a year. She's claiming that she was a household employee and that I didn't pay her, which is not true. Um, She always insisted on being paid cash, which I complied with. And she babysits for multiple families, and it was I would have to call her and say, hey, are you free tomorrow? All right, so how how often did she babysit for you? You know, it depended on the week. Could have been once every two weeks. Could have been three okay. times in one then, week. What, first of all, you say you did pay her, and she wanted cash. And everybody pays cash uh, to babysitters. Right. I mean, no one. That's uh, it's casual labor, and you're allowed to pay cash. And theoretically, you have to issue a 1099, but not if you pay her less than six hundred dollars in a year. Uh, have you paid uh, less than six hundred dollars? No, I, I okay, pay and her you, more so than you that. don't have the proof. I. Here's what you could do: issue issue her a 1099 for all the money you paid, uh, and let her deal with the taxes. Although she gets paid cash for everybody else, so it's really not going to do anything. You have to show up. You have to say I paid her cash, and uh, that's all there is to it. And she's going to say I worked X number of days. You go, no. As a matter of fact, you didn't. She can't prove. Yeah, and she she, she can't, can't prove it. She she doesn't email. She doesn't text. So all of our communication was via phone. phone. So you say she babysat twice for me. Uh, or four times, or whatever uh, it is. I mean, I'm not telling you to lie, but you could say that. Right. And uh, she has no right. proof. That Much like she has no proof uh, that, or you have no proof that you paid her, it's one of those things where you say, I don't even know how many times she worked for me. Uh, because I, who, right. keep, who keeps track of the days that a babysitter that you have once every two weeks uh, on an average? So uh, that's what you write to the labor board. Say, hey, you know what? I did pay her, and she's making this up. And it was cash uh, because that's right. what you pay babysitters. And uh, see what they have to say. They may nail you anyway and ask you to write her a check. Now, how many time, How much money does she want? 
Well, she's saying I, I didn't pay her sixteen hundred dollars, which no. is ridiculous. That's a and lot. She so she's saying so, how many? So uh, what? Eight, what you want to do? Two hours. I'm sorry. Paying her twenty dollars an hour. I was paying her twenty dollars an hour. So she wants uh, how many hours? Eighty-two. Right, and then so you have to ask her what a day? A year later. What? Yeah. What days did you babysit? And uh, if she makes any of it up, for example, uh, where you can prove you were someplace else. Uh, where you can say I was at home, or someone was at home, or you were doing uh, something. If you can, if you can nail her on one, you're going to be able to say that's what she made up, and I think you should be okay. Okay. Yeah, All I don't right. know why. She, I don't, help. and I don't know why she's doing that uh, to you, uh, just you, and and if she's doing it to everybody, uh, do you know other it people? Do you know other people she babysits for at all? Not really. Okay. No, I knew, I knew there were other families. All right. Well, and, let's see. Um, let's see if uh, yeah. she's doing that and they consolidate it. Wouldn't that be great if she did it to a bunch of other yeah. people? All right. Take care, Jill. You got it. So much for that. Right? Yeah. Why not? I don't know what the labor board's going to do. Here's the problem: California is the labor board wage enforcement. They always go uh, uh, unemployment insurance. Uh, they always go for the person complaining. Always, always, always. All right, Scott. Uh, hello, Scott. You're up. Yeah, my wife is a, was a public school teacher, and when she was injured in a classroom by a special ed student 10 years ago, and we were told after calling many of the CTA attorney referrals that, that you cannot sue a California school district. Is that correct? Well, no. I think you can sue. It's, there's a workers' comp issue, and it tends to uh, – uh, it's probably workers' comp. and But it doesn't even matter. Assuming you could sue, that's 10 years ago. What are you going to do with that? I just I, I was trying to call you back then. I could never get through. Oh, okay. So. All right. So let me. You know what? Let me change it up. Uh, yes, you could have sued, and you probably would have gotten a million and a half dollars. Does that make you feel better? <laughs> no. Okay. Great. But you missed. Hey, what can I tell you? You couldn't get through. Oh. All right, Joanne. Uh, hello, Joanne. Welcome. Yes. So, Joanne, uh, yeah. listen, I have a niece a week ago was punched in the face in a restaurant. All right. Are you on a speakerphone or are you on a cell? Unfortunately, I'm on the speakerphone on the cell that I can get. Oh, off. yeah. No, we turn that off. We don't do speakerphones if we uh, can uh, at all uh, make it uh, so you can actually speak to me into a microphone. Go ahead. Oh, this is a bummer. Now, uh, okay. I don't know how to do it. My quick answer is, or question is, he hit her in the face, uh, punched her in the face, and she slapped him back. She went to management. They told her they couldn't do a thing for her because she slapped him back, and she was singing. That's what he, why he said he punched her in the face. She was singing. Okay. Does she have any recourse legally with the employer? No, no, because what did he do wrong? Oh, I, well, they wouldn't do it. They did not uh, deal with the employee that punched her. Yeah, no, I understand. What kind of deal do they have with the employee that punched her? Well, I would think disciplinary action. No, no, but you're saying they had a deal going with him, right? Is that what you said? No. Oh, they had to deal with him. But here's the problem. Even if they didn't and they let him go, and but your niece never got punched again. Now, she can sue him. And uh, she could theoretically argue that she was uh, in fear of working there, but then why didn't she leave? Uh, So, no, the employer is not going to be liable for that. 
uh, just because uh, some crazy-ass employee decided to uh, hit your daughter. Now, if it turned out that they didn't fire him and he did it again, there's a case. I see. Yeah, but not, uh, no. That's what you get for working in a Mexican restaurant. Although I happen to like Mexican food. I don't even know why I said that. All right, Scott. Hello, Scott. Welcome to Handle on the Law. So, my mother, she, okay, she was in Atlanta, Georgia, and she had Alzheimer's really bad. And uh, what happened is she fell and died from the complications of the fall. And the boyfriend somehow got put on on her uh, her deed back in 2008 as a survivor. So whoever dies gets the house, which I don't know how he that's got that's there. But that's in joint tenancy. Uh, I'll tell you how. Uh, she transferred the property in joint tenancy, so he was an owner. That's how you do it. And you if you're talking that, that many years ago, and if you're talking that many years ago, uh, it's kind of hard to argue at this point that it happened recently and she did it under duress or she didn't yeah. know what she was doing. But that's how it's done. Or was it a shell game and he just brought her a whole bunch of different documents? Who the hell knows? Yeah. Who the, how, anyway, are you gonna, how are you going to prove it either way? The presumption, the presumption is with him. And unless okay, so, you unless you walk in with proof... Right. Saying here it is, and someone uh, either the notary said, uh, well, the notary, notary wouldn't have signed it. But if there's proof, uh, for example, uh, a bunch of people that played bridge with your mom say, oh yeah, she didn't know what she was doing, she was coerced into this, then you have some kind of a case. But no, you right. can't. You're just pissed off that the house is left to the boyfriend instead of you. Okay, but here's another thing too. She, yeah, uh, he he sold the house. Um, before she died, I, it was it was sold like about three weeks before she had passed away, and I'm wondering, does it have to go completely through escrow before or? Does well, I got, that, that one thing has nothing to do with the other. If it was sold before uh, the before she died, I mean, obviously either he forged her name, but that doesn't make a lot of sense because it has to be notarized when a house is sold. Yeah, uh, I, I but it, but it doesn't even matter. But even assuming that that's the case, so what? What does that mean? He still he still gets it. What he did is he did it too early, and whatever fraud is involved, he still gets the house. Uh, from that, like half the estate wouldn't go into into her. Uh, no, into her, no, into her no, 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 absolutely not. But nice, nice call, nice try. Uh, now, is there any? Uh, I, I don't know who could sue because you, he gets it anyway. I mean, there's clearly a violation. There's all kinds of fraud. But who's going to argue? Who's going to bring that up? So you take it three weeks early. All right, this is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. All right, Ozzy. Uh, hello, Ozzy. Welcome. Bill. Yes. Got a, couple, got, a, got a couple quick questions for you. So I was in a car wreck. Uh, this morning, uh, I got re-rendered pretty bad. I sustained a, a few injuries. What does that mean? Um, I got a uh, head injury. I got a big bruise on my head. Uh, my rest uh, been 10 forward. Uh, I got a lower back injury. So I'm trying to figure out if it's worth it to a, to uh, hire a accident. Sure. At uh, this point, yeah, at this point. Well, you don't know what your injuries are. Uh, and based on you have a huge bump, you got to take pictures. Have you gone to the doctor? 
Not yet. No. Oh, you have to go. That's the first thing. You have to go to the doctor. Oh, yeah, immediately. That's before anything else. Uh, you have to go to a physician. Uh, you know, I'd walk into an emergency room. Then I would contact a lawyer because what the lawyer will do is, is send you to one of his or her doctors. Okay. And there's a whole world to uh, personal injury, an entire world, where it's a game that's played by the lawyer and the insurance company, and the insurance company is basing uh, your damages, uh, and that has to do with uh, the amount of medical care you get and how the medical report is written up. And then that's changed because now, depending on the severity of your injury, the insurance company will tell you to go pound sand. They're only going to give you medical costs or half of medical costs. It's certainly worth talking to a personal injury lawyer just to see where it sits. Now, if the injuries aren't particularly big, then the PI lawyer is going to tell you to go pound sand. Uh, and it's just not worth the money. But you have to get your ass to a doctor no matter what. Okay. I mean, you really have to. And then you deal with it. Then you call a PI lawyer and go to uh, handleonthelaw.com. We've got tons of them. Uh, And uh, at least ask for advice on what you do. But, yes, go to the doctor, go to the emergency room, see what's going on, then contact a PI lawyer. Thanks, Bill. Just one more other quick question. Sure. The other part. Uh, Now, I had gone into a previous car accident maybe five years ago, and um, I had called and and, and made a claim, and at that time, my back was a little bit sore, so I did complain uh, that my back was hurting a little bit. Now, if my back is injured from this accident, are they going to try to say that this was a previous Oh, absolutely. Of course they are. That's exactly what the insurance company is going to do. Uh, they're going to say that this is not an original injury. This is probably just an exacerbation of an original injury, and the, exas- uh, the exacerbation part is 10%, that the real damage happened previously. And so if there is any damage, we pay for 10% of it. Oh, yeah. But that's between the lawyer and the insurance company. And, again, what you're dealing with is the the amount of injuries. The better off you're going to be, the more injured you are. I would be. I would feel much better if you called me and said, my arm is gone. I left it in the car because it was cut off. That's a case. Okay. By the way, it may sound funny, but it's absolutely true. If you get hit, especially obviously there's insurance. You have to be uh, you, you. You have to have good insurance on the other side. And how do you have good insurance? Well, you, you either hit you because I I have good insurance, but not if I take your head off. That's not going to be enough. So the secret is Coca-Cola trucks, Amazon delivery trucks, FedEx trucks, very strong, uh, supermarket chain trucks, those kinds of trucks, major major delivery companies. That's always good. Because they have tens of millions of dollars, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of insurance. Uh, let's go to Bill. Hello, Bill. Yes, you're up. Hey, Bill. Nice to talk to you. Yes, it is. Um, I have a friend that lost her place to live and, and her storage unit, and she moved all her... I, I agreed to have her move her belongings into my yard and into my garage. And she's been living with different friends with her animals, but I can't use my yard. I can't. I, can't, I can barely. Wait get a minute. She put. Wait, wait, wait. She put her stuff in your yard. Yes, in my backyard. And what? What kind of stuff does she have in your backyard? Oh, stuff that uh, you know, some furniture and belongings, and you know. Wait, wait, wait. Jay, yeah, let me go through this before we start talking about the legal aspects of this. She has furniture in your backyard. What happens when it rains? It's all. Everything's covered with tarps. 
and it's up on on uh, on some. All right, so that's pretty sophisticated stuff. Okay, so she's running around, and how long has it been? Since you have all that stuff in your yard and your garage. It's been over a year. Okay. You have to, uh, and I don't know what the statutory amount of time is, uh, but uh, you, I'm assuming you have contacted her. Does she have any kind of email address or any kind of, uh, does she have a phone number? I have a phone number and that's all I have. Okay. So is it a cell phone? Yes. Okay. So you can text her. Yes. Okay. What you want to do is I would call the city attorney's office to see what the rules are where you live in terms of abandoned property and getting rid of it. There's uh, municipal laws. There are state laws. So you get to do a little research on that. Uh, and all you do is uh, that's a Google issue where you start punching in, uh, uh, punching in words and out it comes. Uh-huh. And then you have to inform her texting works. And you just keep a copy of everything. And you say X, you have X number of days to uh, remove the stuff. And if she doesn't, you can get rid of it. I see. You can sell it. You can just have it picked up. You can donate it. You can do whatever you want, but you have to follow the rules. Well, that's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yes. I, so how about this? Here it is. You have to follow the rules. Okay. Okay. How is that for sophisticated legal advice? Gee, Bill, can I rob a bank? You cannot. Thank you so much. Can I steal money? Embezzle? No, you can't. This is good, isn't it? This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning. Always a pleasure. Uh, Your pleasure, particularly on Saturday. I'm here from 6 to 11 o'clock every Saturday morning, Monday through Friday during the week, of course, uh, from 6 to 10. And here it's from 6 to 11, five hours today. Followed by Leo Laporte from 11 to 2. Leo's on today and tomorrow from 11 to 2 o'clock. Also today, uh, the Fork Report, Neil Saavedra from 2 to 5. Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock this evening. And then Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits with a dark secret place in the ground that you never get out of. 10 to midnight. All right. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Now, uh, this is sort of a a run-of-the-mill kind of, uh, you know, there's a couple out there, and this is in Russia, and uh, all they're doing is, uh, the only thing is suspected of killing and eating up to 30 people. All right. So, I I mean, there are plenty of cannibal couples running around. I get that. We've done tons of cannibal couple stories over the years. But the reason I want to bring this one is because we're talking 30 people. Now, this is a hometown buffet size case of cannibalism. I mean, this is big stuff. You know, those trays that you have full of body parts. You know, you've got ribs, and then you have a big thing of mac and cheese, and you have a big thing of dismembered air uh, heads, and uh, it's pretty impressive. So how did all this happen? Well, a construction crew is out there working on the street in uh, southwestern Russia, and there they discovered a cell phone. So uh, the construction uh, workers go, okay, wow, here's this black Samsung. Samsung, uh, Let's look through the photos just, you know, to see. Because when, when in doubt, you find a phone, let's go through the photos. So there are uh, some photos of a man with different body parts of a dismembered human body in his mouth. Okay, that's enough. They call the police. 
who track down the owner through the SIM card. And when they show up near his house or at his house, uh, his uh, name is uh, Bakshiv. And uh, they uh, show up and uh, there they found the remains of a woman. Parts of a woman. Now, he initially said, and then they sat down and had a nice long conversation with him because whenever police find parts of women uh, in and around your house, they generally tend to sit down and go, like, tell me what this is about, please. Uh, so he said initially didn't kill her, but found her remains in the force and then took them home. Hey, I'm a collector. What can I tell you? Some people do stamps, right? Some people do, well, I do body parts. Okay, fair enough. Then later on when... Uh, they say, but, you know, you snap selfies with the body parts. He goes, well, yeah, I did that and then uh, lost my phone. However, during the uh, interrogation, the questioning, he then admits to, admits to killing her and says that he and his wife, Natalia, have been practicing cannibalisms uh, on many occasions since the late 1990s. And uh, the police are figuring there may be as many as 30 murders and subsequent uh, brunches out of uh, their uh, their actions. Uh, they've been charged with at least one count of murder, uh, undergoing psychological testing at this point, because I guess uh, that according to uh, the Russian authorities, uh, eating people uh, may be a psychological issue. Okay. I'll let you know the outcome. In the meantime, let's go take some uh, phone calls. Claire! Hello, Claire! Hi! Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Um, I'm a school teacher in Southern California, and uh, last year I had a just... I was basically victimized by uh, Frontier Communications. I, I fell through the cracks in the takeover when they took over uh, FIOS, Frontier, uh, Frontier took okay. over Verizon FIOS. Yeah, I, fine. Yes. And so I tried to be patient and give them a few months thinking, okay, you know, they're just treating me well, like what, that. What, what, exactly what did they do to you that you felt you were victimized? Uh, they just continued billing me. Okay, and, um, you, were, and you, no longer had, uh, you no longer had service. No, and I had equipment that said Verizon on the front of it, old equipment from Verizon. Okay, and you, and I assume, so they continue billing you. You continue saying, no, thank you. I don't have any service. I canceled it. I'm assuming you canceled it at some point, correct? Oh, absolutely. Okay, and you have all the proof, and you keep on sending it to them. Correct. Okay, and what are they saying? Has it gone to a collection agency yet? It is at a collection agency. In March, they sent $481 to a collection agency. Okay, so, and you've contacted the collection agency and said, here is my cancellation uh, notice from six months ago or a year ago or whatever it was, correct? Well, it was all done through the phone, so I have the operator numbers. Ah, 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 you canceled, wait a sec, you canceled on the phone? Correct. Ooh. Well, well, what I did was I tried to just be a human. Uh, They canceled, right, because um, one company took over another company. No, I understand that. So so you didn't cancel. They canceled, correct? Yeah, it it stopped working. No, it just... Okay, it it just stopped working. Got it. And then you called up to cancel. Hold on. Then you called up to cancel, correct? To make sure they knew it wasn't working, okay. and they were trying to urge me to pay more money. And All right, the and out, but there's and I said, no, but Claire, there's no. nothing. But Claire, there's nothing in writing. No. Okay, so here is the problem you have. They're going to go after you, and the problem is going to be they ding your credit. 
See, that's what you mm-hmm. have to worry about. Because if they go to small claims court, the judge will buy that you had a conversation, especially if you have the number of the operator, the time, the name, the time you called, et cetera. Uh, you, you should be okay because uh, judges, all of them got screwed by uh, cell phone companies also. Uh, the problem mm-hmm. is they're going to say pay up or we're going to ding your credit. Then you have to fight that. problem is you don't have any proof that you canceled it. So as far as they're concerned, you haven't. What you have to do is go back to the service provider and just go, uh, just keep on calling and calling and going up as, hard, as high as you can. It's one of those well, things the, you're just stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they show on record that in September, you know, they do have record of that call. But like, so they have. Yeah, but they, but but but. What they're going to say, it's not necessarily you canceling. It just says you have record of a call. You're going to say you canceled. They're going to say, but the good news is you can say, why else would I call them? But that's not the point. That's all a defense you have if they sue you. The problem is when they ding your credit, that's going to be tough. Well, and the and the problem is, you know, I want to, I almost want to, you know, expose these people. Oh, forget it. Oh, Claire, nobody, what? You're going to expose a a phone company for screwing you or making a mistake and falling through the cracks? Claire, what you want to do is deal with your situation. Forget about exposing them. No one cares. Yeah. Yeah. So just go up, make, start making the phone calls. I mean, legally, can you do something? Well, yeah, you can, but we got to hire a lawyer. You walk in the door, it's $400 an hour. When you say hello, it's going to be $400. This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right, Frank. Hello, Frank. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah, uh, can you... Uh... On a living trust, can it, can it be in handwriting? Sure, handwritten? sure. Oh, Any okay. document can be handwritten. Nothing says it has to be uh, typed, or nothing says it has to be you, you, oh. you know in a certain font. No, you're fine. Okay. All right. You. Although I have to tell you, if you're if someone is handwriting a living trust, I would really question someone's understanding of what goes into a living trust and how no, it works. They have those uh, printed forms. All you do is follow the. You know, yeah, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go on the internet and uh, just throw in uh, the names and the amounts and just have uh, the internet just spit it out? And there you have the printer spits it out, and there you have a a form that you don't have to worry about uh, handwriting, so it can be read. That's true. The only thing I don't have a computer. So borrow one. So go to the uh, yeah. library. Library. That's an idea. Yeah, okay. they'll help you out with that. Who the hell doesn't have a computer in these this day and age? Well, someone who's going to handwrite a living trust. Also, how do you find the documents without a computer? It used to be you go to a station. Do you remember stationery stores, anybody? They used to have stationery stores. And you could find wills and leases, and you'd buy them, and they were beautifully printed up. And then you could handwrite or type in the names. Uh, I don't think those exist anymore. I don't know if forms even exist. I have no idea. Charlene. Hi, Charlene. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay. Spe- just... Wait, wait, wait. Speakerphone? Oh, well, I was waiting. I'm on the phone now. I'm okay. Sorry, so... Much better. I don't know why everybody, for some reason, everybody's doing speakerphones. I, I just don't get that. Okay. Uh, go go for it. Work, you know. 
but now I'm on the phone. Okay. So my question is about whether I have any legal grounds against the company that I work for. Um, I had received an email from an employee. I'm assuming that used to work in my same department. Now, I'm only assuming because there was an investigation, supposedly, when I went to my HR department about this incident, but they closed it saying they couldn't figure out who printed the emails. And the nature of this incident was that an employee sent an email to my work email with a Gmail account that was created using my first and last name uh, with emails. The, the email that was sent to me contained emails from another coworker. And okay, do you know, by the way, Charlene, do you know who did it? I can only assume. Okay, that, have... yeah, that doesn't help. So you went to HR, and what did HR do? Uh, nothing. They, okay. I, yeah, basically they, they were investigating. All right. I gave, I gave them the... the no, I, and, I, and I understand that. So, Charlene, let me ask you a, a few questions. First of all, uh, were those emails continuing, or did they stop at that point? It was just a one-time thing. Oh, you have, but Charlene, you don't even know who did it. I have a pretty good idea. Doesn't matter. I have a pretty good idea. How's that for for figuring it out? The uh, HR department says, you know, we looked at it. We don't know who did it. And you're going to say, I have a pretty good idea. Why don't you do this, Charlene? Why don't you publicly accuse that person and get your ass sued off? Well, I haven't publicly accused, but I have talked to the president of the company. So I'm just trying. Charlene, it's one email. Does it matter at this point? Uh, It's not so much about... Me, it's about the fact that this person could have only gotten the emails by going into someone else's Okay, email so account. he could have, but you don't know who. Uh, yeah, and he so. could have. So what? So, but it, You know what? I My grandmother could have been my grandfather if she had the right plumbing. But she didn't. Charlene, you're, you're making something out of nothing. It was a drag. He shouldn't have done it. It happened once. It's not happening again. You went to HR. HR said they investigated it. They don't know who it is. This is done, Charlene. Well, that's all I wanted to Okay, think. you got it. Uh, you know, let's, it, it, here's why I get so upset. Because the least little thing that comes up, I want recourse. I want to know what I can do. How do I get my million dollars? That's all I care about. I don't care if it was one email and I don't know who it was and it wasn't a threat and it wasn't anything other than he must have gotten or she must have gotten into an email that was sent to me and I want my million dollars or I want someone fired. I don't care who it is. It's just weird. Really weird. All right, Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, yes. Bill, if you create a will or a trust and you change the terms of the will of the tr- or the trust, is there a record kept of the previous will or trust? Uh, no, no. There's a, first of all, uh, no. There's no record any place. Uh, it just the only thing you have to worry about is the last one, because whether uh, you have the previous one, it doesn't matter, because the new trust there's actually language in the language in there that says this document uh, supersedes any previous document. Which effectively so, says it the, the previous document, any previous documents are hereby no longer valid. So what do so you care? My dad, so my dad told me before he died, I left you a million dollars, and then my then my mom after after he dies changes the will. I go, wait a minute, my dad said you left me a million dollars. Notice what you said is my dad said the document is going to control Mark, not what dear dad told you. 
So there's no, there won't be any evidence on the old document? Doesn't matter. If there's a new document, if there is a new will or a trust that was, in fact, signed by the trustor, that cha- that is what the, is going to control. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. It's not, you know, I, for example, let's say I leave, uh, I've got two kids, right? And I'm changing my trust every other week when I get pissed at one of them. And I say, okay, I'm leaving all my money to the other one until that one pisses me off. And then I go, okay, I'm leaving all my money to the other one. And I'm every two weeks I'm doing that. The last document controls because that supersedes any in previous documents. And they could have a stack of the previous documents and it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, uh, and I can understand that. Uh, there you are. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome to Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. Oh, Hannah. Okay, Hannah, you're up. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Bill. Uh, yeah, I was. I uh, went on uh, one of them TV court shows, and uh, um, he basically dismissed, and I was like suing her. She was kind of suing me, and he basically dismissed my case. He let her say about her kind of suit. He dismissed her case as well. But as I was walking out, even the producer was telling me, you never got to present your case before you even heard my reasoning for suing her. He dismissed the case because I signed a lease contract. And I was wondering if I, is there any way I have any No, no, you don't. No, you don't uh, at all. And here's why. Because uh, the judge, and it's not a judge in your, in those TV court shows, actually what it is, is binding arbitration. You have someone who is going to make a decision and can make any decision, can hear evidence, can not hear evidence, can say your contract controls, I don't want to hear what you have to say. It happens all the time. And you have agreed to that decision and it's binding which means you can't appeal it that's it you're done so hannah you have no place to go i hope you had a good time how did you look on tv i hope you look good because there's nothing worse than looking like crap and losing absolutely okay excellent hello hanny you're up yes hi i have an issue with my hoa they like hire the contractor to do repiping on my unit while they work, they damage my AC, they damage part of the wood floor. Okay. And, like, now they, they don't want to repair it. They said, like, it's too old and it was going to go bad anyway. So I'm thinking if I take them to a small claim. Yeah, you take them to like, small claims court. You take the contractor to small claims court. The contractor? And the, I would take them both. Oh, so because the it was your, it's your HOA that hired the contractor. So I would argue that they're responsible by way of agency, which means that the contractor was their agent, and he's the one that screwed up. Sue them both. And, like, when I sue the HOA, who who, who do you, like, submit to? Yeah, you can submit to. Yeah, yeah, you can do it to a board member. Uh, Is there a management company? Okay. Is there a a management company that is? There's a management company. Then then what you do is sue sue the HOA and have the lawsuit go to the management company because they are agents for uh, purpose of processing or purpose of of the lawsuit. Purpose of summons, I think that's what they call it. Yeah. So that's what you do. Congratulations. The name of the board members, right? No, you just know the board itself. Just the HOA. For example, if it's 123 Maple Street, HOA, the defendant is 123 Maple Street, 
HOA. Okay. And, and you so and you I, you say that on the document and you serve it on the management company. On the management company. Okay. Okay. Uh, can, can, okay. All right. Can All right. There you go. Hi, Larry. Uh, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Bill. Uh, I've got a problem on trying to get into Canada. Uh, about 12 years ago, my wife and I had a real spat, and the police said that it was a domestic violence issue uh, because she was whacking at me with her hands, and, and I tapped her on the cheek to snap her out of it and make her, you know, stop. And they said that was, you know, a felony. Yeah, were you, convic- so, were you convicted? Yeah, I had to accept the plea when I went to court. And the plea was, and, a, and the plea was as a felon. You accepted a felony count. Yeah, the only thing I could do besides going to to, to uh, court and trying to disprove, you know, that it was a major problem. Yeah, but they could have. So, I would think they would uh, bring it down to at least a misdemeanor. Did you negotiate with them at all, or just accepted what they what they said was uh, going to happen? I tried to negotiate with them, and they said as long as it was a hitting offense, which that's what the police called it, I didn't have a choice. Did you, did you have an attorney? Uh, at the time, yes. And what did the attorney say? Go ahead and take the plea? Yeah. Wow. All right. So what's your question? Well, I'd like to know, is there some way I can uh, get permission to enter into Canada to go on a vacation with my wife? Well, not if they... Because uh, I'm on a felon well, list someplace here, from the... Uh, well, here, here's the problem is, first of all, it's the Canadian... Uh, the rules of Canada are Canada. Uh, okay. They can say whatever... A group of people we don't want in, and the, you you can't change that. The part that you can change is trying to bring that felony down to a misdemeanor, and okay. that can be done, especially if it's uh, a wobbler, because they could have filed it either way. So you're open for that. For example, they can't file uh, an armed robbery as a misdemeanor; they don't have a right to do that. Uh, so it's going to be a fel- if you're convicted, it's going to be a felon, a felony, no matter what. But domestic violence can go down either way. So I uh, there, and you're saying this was ten years ago when you got the conviction. Yeah, it was twelve years. ago. Okay, yeah, it's definitely that's what you want to do, Larry. Is okay. you want to go you want to go into court and have that brought down to a misdemeanor, and then. Uh, there shouldn't be a problem going into Canada, but that's going to be a while. I suggest uh, you're not going to go on vacation in Canada for a while until you get that dismissed. Would I get some kind of uh, a notification on paper that it's been cleared? Yeah, you'd, uh, yeah you'd have a judge, uh, uh, an order from a judge saying that this is now a misdemeanor. Okay. The yep. only thing I can do is go have the case file dug up out of their archives. Yeah, that's all. No, they have them. Oh, believe me. Uh, 12 years is not in the archive. It's not put in a box somewhere in a storage facility. It's there. So what you okay. want to do is you want to go to a criminal lawyer. And okay. uh, and we have them. We have them on handleonthelaw.com and just knock your socks off. And that can be done. I would do that anyway, even if I didn't want to go to Canada. I mean, why would anybody want to keep a felony on the record when you can unfelonize yourself, unravel it. All right, Kevin, welcome to Handle on the Law. I got a question about uh, class action lawsuits that I can join, uh, but I spent over 135000 in just one year on Google AdWords pay-per-click, and I've been asked to join a class action, but I'm worried that I'm not going to get anything back. At the same time, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to have the 
the resources to go after Well, that's them. a given. You're never going to have the resources to go after uh, Google. I mean, that you're dreaming uh, if, if you're, they're not going to kill you, no matter even if you're right. But tell me what happened. You spent $135,000 for AdWords. What happened to the $135,000? Uh, what did you get for it? That, and, and what, or more importantly, what did you not get that you thought you were going to get or was promised to you? Well, I got raped by them. Well, the way it works in the pay-per-click is before Google started theirs, Overture was the company that uh, structured the whole program, and I used to get about a dollar back for every 10 cents that I spent. My return on investment... Yeah, okay, and so what years. happened? So they buy Overture, so, and... Yeah, and then, no, they created their own program, and then what happened was my ad that I would pay to be seen, and every time somebody clicked on that ad, I'm supposed to get a customer uh, based on your conversion rate, but they were putting my ads on 404 pages on web and sharing the... All right, so so what you're saying is that they're in violation of their contract or what they represented to you. Yes. Okay, so how much do you think you were ripped off after spending $135,000? You got something... I mean, you, you had some no, value. I, I'd say I got ripped off about seventy five thousand. Okay, so there's your okay, so there's your seventy five thousand dollar lawsuit uh, against them. Now, the question of proof is something else too, in terms of uh, proving whether or not uh, you were ripped off. They may have changed the way they they work, and they could have said, "Hey, we just changed uh, our entire model." And uh, that's it. And that's how we operate. You didn't have to go. You didn't have a a contract that said you have to spend $10,000 a month. That's always your call. So the issue is, is there a class action out there? Yes. Join it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Because you're not going to go after Google individually. Holy moly. First of all, no attorney's going to take it, especially if it's been ripped off for $75,000. Going after that company, Google has unlimited resources. I would think the government going after Google would have one of the biggest fights of its life, much less an individual. So, yeah, that one is a no-brainer. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, hey, Daniel, welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, question for you. I was actually in an accident last year, and I was at fault with the accident. Uh, my curiosity is, after all the proceedings were done with the uh, insurance company, um, they signed basically a release form. Yes. Uh, to release my rights, release the insurance company's right. rights. My curiosity is basically, can they come back? Uh, it's been a year since the incident. Can Could they come back and basically sue? No, they can't. And I'll tell you why. Because okay. when the insurance company paid off uh, the driver that you hit, and uh-huh. uh, w- before he could cash the check, he had to sign a release saying, that's it done cannot come back waive any additional cause of action that i may ever have it's a done deal once the money is paid insurance company writes a check he signs off you are finished i see that's good i mean you know otherwise why would anybody pay true true i just uh how much do you know how much uh, how much did he get 
Uh, I believe the total hospital bills were over thirty thousand. Ooh, he only got yeah, he only got like fifteen thousand. Right, that's because you have because so. you have fifteen thirty because you're underinsured, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, so the good news, if you have a fifteen thirty and you have no money, uh, that's what happens. Uh, it is mm-hmm. that they settle only fifteen thousand. If you have some assets, they can go beyond that and go. Now we're going to go for assets if we really want. It's. I've never understood the fifteen thirty. You know, it's been fifteen thirty now for probably twenty five years, maybe longer. <laughs> oh, I it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, good for you for being totally uninsured, uh, and I hope uh, you end up getting an accident with me, which is another reason. And the second half of this uh, answer is, if you ever get hit by people like him, and you're looking at a fifteen thousand dollar settlement and a thirty thousand dollar just medical bills. You think you'd like to have underinsured motorist? That's why you want uninsured and underinsured and give yourself a pretty healthy amount of money. Now, you're going to pay for it, but it's worth every dime. And it really isn't all that much relative to the amount you pay in liability. Believe me, it is well, well, well worth it because you got flakes like this that have virtually no insurance. Hello, Alex. Welcome. Yeah, yes, hi. sir. Yeah. Hi. So I have a question, a legal question. I have like a little problem here, like a Jerry Springer type of a problem here. Right. I have two, right? I have two different baby mothers, mamas. Uh, my daughter's two years old and uh, had a custody battle. We mediated and uh, we came to an agreement that we would both uh, split custody and Part of the court order document, it stated that we would basically not insult each other, not have any conflicts, uh, et cetera. So moving on, I have another child with another woman about a year later, and now I am uh, having a custody battle uh, of my life. And now the first baby's mama has sided with her and is going to testify against me. Uh, in court for the second child, which is nothing to do with her. Yeah, that's uh, kind of that... that's kind of bizarre because she's okay with uh, you and your child with her, but for some reason she has a problem with your child with this other woman. Is that effectively what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, and so my concerns are a few of them. One, the main concern is: is it violating the court? order that we have in place and the second question is and this is just speculating is she trying to get me to lose this second custody battle to make me seem that i'm an unfit parent so she could use that as leverage and come back and say hey you know what this guy's unfit okay the answer to the first one is it is not a violation uh of that order for her to testify against you uh is not her getting into altercation with you it's simply testimony in a court so no it's not a violation of that order in which you're the two of you can't scream at each other can't have an altercation particularly in front of the kids now as far as testifying for the other one uh and you lose custody yeah maybe I mean, she opens it up again. However, uh, your defense is the reason you lost custody is she testified. And she would have to argue that you, in fact, 
uh, have a problem and you're dealing with your child, which she already said is uh, you have a great relationship or an adequate relationship. But then she argues that's right. changed completely. Uh, but the fact that you lost the kid and the other one technically shouldn't matter. But, yeah, it all matters. The two of the, the two women who have um, banded together against you. What is it about these women that they hate you, Alex? Um, you know, I, I have a very, I would say, eccentric lifestyle when I don't have the kids. What does that mean? I would say that I, I I party a lot. There's a lot of women around. Uh, you know, social media sh- shows that I I'm you know I'm I'm out there. You know, and that's just me being honest. But when I'm with the kids, it's, it's a different thing. So I don't think they appreciate that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, I I can see that. Uh, because the argument is how how do they prove or how do uh, you prove that you don't do that crazy stuff when the kids are around? I mean, that's kind of uh, questionable. And for you to admit and there's the evidence that you're nuts and you party and you have a bunch of women. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you got half custody, frankly, Alex. Well, you know, I appreciate the honest answer. Yeah, I no, it's uh, yeah, good for you. And the other piece of advice, why don't you keep it in your pants? What do you think? Well... You know, I'm a man at the end of the day. And, yeah, uh, you're a man I'm at the single. end of the day, and you're also having sex with women who don't have, who don't have birth control. You ever thought of a, a vasectomy? I'm 33 years old. I, I mean, I, I I suppose it's a, it's a something I should consider. Um, well, yeah, that, I mean, I'm, that's not a legal issue. I'm just I'm just thinking. And those are the only two kids you have, right? Yeah, that's correct. All right. Well. I guess my, I guess another question is is what do you Legally, what do you recommend I do as far as it is interfering with my, my first arrangement that I have, you know, because now they're both, you know. You're going to need a lawyer. You're, you're going to have to hire a lawyer to try to figure all of this out. That, that's all you can do because it's, it's a mess. It really is. You've got custody battle. You're crazy. You're a wild partier. You have sex with a lot of women. Uh, and uh, let me give you my number so I can be invited to a few of these parties because, uh, frankly, let me give you my number so I can be invited to a few of these parties. Okay, this is Handle on the Law. This is uh, KFI AM640. Bill Handle here on a Saturday morning, uh, every Saturday, 6 to 11 o'clock. Right after this show at 11, 11 to 2, it is Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Uh, this afternoon, Neil Saavedra from 2 to 5 o'clock with the food show, the Fork Report. Love it. Neil and I are always talking food. Matter of fact, we're always going to lunch and talking food. As a matter of fact, we go a lot on weekends and dinners and we talk food. And then uh, Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock tonight. He's here today and tomorrow, uh, 6 to 8. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits, who's here also on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Brian tonight from 10 to midnight with a dark secret place and then uh, tomorrow from 8 to 10 and I have no idea what the hell he calls his show tomorrow. This is Handle on the Law. (coughs) Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. This is in uh, Michigan and finally justice has been done. Uh, There is a Detroit woman handcuffed and sent to jail for a week. Because she wouldn't follow an agreement to have her nine-year-old son vaccinated. The judge noted that Rebecca Bredow had agreed to the immunization last November. 
Her ex-husband wanted the son to be vaccinated. She is the primary caregiver. And uh, she said, okay, it was a year's fight, incidentally. She finally agreed and then changed her mind. And the judge said, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do that. Uh, You're going to jail. He said, I understand you love your children, but what I don't think you understand is your son has two parents and dad gets to say. But this is one of those, it's a yes or a no. This is not Solomon splitting the baby in half. Uh, This is either the kid's going to be vaccinated or the child is not going to be vaccinated. So it has to go one way or the other. And then the judge said, it's clear to me that you don't care about orders, even if you agree with them, which you did. Your attorney signed the order. There was an agreement. Now, she is taking full responsibility, says, yep, uh, because vaccinations go against her beliefs and she should have raised her objections sooner. I'm a passionate mother who cares deeply about my children, their health and well-being. And if my child were forced to be vaccinated, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I have absolutely no idea what uh, a belief is about vaccination. Maybe there is uh, a religion out there. I mean, I understand Jehovah's Witnesses don't do the blood transfusion. Uh, and, And that is at least based on a religion. I totally disagree, but it's their interpretation of the Bible. And so... Uh, If they want to kill themselves, go ahead. If they want to kill their kids, that's a different story. If it is a child that needs surgery and a mom or a dad said, nope, our religion says no blood transfusion and the child dies, that's jail time. And I think a lot of jail time. Usually these parents, if they do go to jail, get very limited jail time. I think this is akin to, uh, I think it's, I would think it's manslaughter. I would go that far. Yeah, I think it's that bad. So here she says, uh, I'm not going to vaccinate my kid because of my religious beliefs. And I'm wondering even, what would she say if the child got some kind of a a disease, and I mean a serious disease, that uh, the vaccination uh, would have prevented or probably would have prevented? I guess it's God's will. I guess that's the argument. Uh, That's certainly to Jehovah's Witnesses say with the blood transfusion. If I die, it's God's will that I die. Yeah, this is a nine-year-old kid we're talking about. So good for you, Mom. Good for you for the judge. By the way, when I say good for you, Mom, that's yeah, a little uh, just a little sarcastic. So it's it's a week in jail. Then it gets interesting because after the week in jail, she still won't do it. So we'll see if uh, how long she plays chicken with the judge. Because contempt is contempt. And uh, you can, that's a whole interesting one too, is how far you go with contempt. All right. Uh, But we're going to do that at another time. Let's take some phone calls. Uh, Rose. Hello, Rose. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. The subject is. the category of a desperate city of officials. What? This is a Jeopardy game we're playing? No, it's called uh, Parking Enforcement. Okay, so uh, tell me what happened. All right. So uh, uh, my daughter, who has uh, cerebral palsy, uh, is like that, you know, well, a lot, actually, but uh, taking her down to the Hollywood Home Depot, uh, dropping her off at the door, going with a handicap placard on the windshield, 
the mirror, rear view mirror, and then pulling in to a parking spot, not shutting the car off, three men approached me, and uh, I asked who they were because they came right up to my door, and I was ready to back up, and he said, turn the engine off and take the key out of the ignition. Just these and strangers. They were uh, nobody in law enforcement, just a, a bunch of strangers that said, here, take the key out? Yeah, take the key out, okay. take the car off, take the key out, and then the one person went in the back of my car so I couldn't back up. So he showed me the badge, and then he said, this is a sting operation. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, so what they're talking about is parking enforcement. Yeah, no, I get it. And so uh, were, you, were you in a handicapped spot? Yeah. Oh, okay, with a handicapped placard, and your daughter was in the, was in the store. Dropped off uh, at yeah. the door. Yeah, and uh, I said I'm transporting uh, my daughter. He asked for the handicap placard. I gave it to him, and he says, well, I'm keeping it. I'm oh, no, that's crazy. He can't keep it. That's crazy. So he what? Did. Oh, that's he nuts. gave me two tickets, one for me with the handicap placard and the other one for the person not being in the passenger side in the car. All right, that's crazy. So All right, so what? up close to $800. Yeah, did you go to court? No, I'm, I'm setting up a hearing. Yeah, that's what I'm you want, and just explain the story. So what's your question, Rose? Well, I could see where this is headed. Uh, I don't understand how I could come up with proof they want a receipt. Uh, they well, they took, well, wait a minute. They took the placard. Are they denying that they took the placard? They, no. The, the, the guy said, um, well, what happened is when my daughter came out, uh, we went over to the person that took the placard, and I showed them my daughter uh, the way her body Did was. they give the placard back? No. Okay. So, her, no, all right. I'm so you have all right. So you have a hearing, and you are. When is your hearing? Is it coming up? Yeah. All right. And you don't have a handicap placard. All right. Are they going to deny they even took it? Uh, he he probably will not deny that he. All right. He so what's it. so what's your question, Rose? Well, I had seen in the DMV. Uh, you know, I, I read that you know they have a right to. Yeah, it's it. right. So what's your question, Rose? Transporting a handicapped person. That's not a question. A people, That's a statement. What's your question, Rose? Well, should I get ticketed if you're transporting? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. But that's is that your question? Should I have gotten ticketed? That's it. Yeah, a lot of people are getting ticketed. Okay, uh, it doesn't matter. You're not a lot of people. That's their problem, not yours. So your yeah, question so is, should you have gotten a ticket? Probably not. What do I use in the hearing? Ah, that's a question, okay. too. Uh, you, 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 What you use in the hearing is the truth. As to what happened. And yeah. what you were doing is you dropped off your daughter. You were sitting there parked. And she was going to come out. And uh, you were there because she is handicapped. And even if technically it's a violation. And the technicality would be so slight. I can't see a judge not giving it to you. Uh, well, so I, I can't. In case it went against me, yeah. what, what do I do? You pay the money. Well, they already took the money. It's I know. You won't, get it, you, you won't get it back. So... Uh, how do, you know, why is the state of California... I have no idea. It's not the state of California. It's these three guys. Yeah, but it's also the sting no, it's operation. Not. Yeah, they have a sting operation, so they do that. Yeah. They want yeah. to grab people, so, so uh, you can do that. God, that was like pulling teeth. If she's in front of the judge and talks like that, the judge is going to give her 30 seconds and, and get her out. Just say, you've, lo- you've lost. Not because of the underlying issues of the case. You probably would have win on that. But I can't stand you. Get out of here. Gavel. Boom. I wish I had my gavel with me because I actually have a gavel in my office. 
This is Handle on the Law. And uh, welcome back. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. Uh, pleasure having you here. And this is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hi, Susie. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Okay. I went ahead and got an attorney from the guy that rear-ended me and totaled my car because I have nerve damage in my back, and I, they did all these tests. Wait a sec. You got, you got an attorney from the guy who rear-ended your car or I'm after? I'm trying the... to hurry. I'm trying to hurry. No, the guy that rear-ended me, I talked to you about this guy before. He rear-ended me and totaled my car and messed up my knees and messed up my back. Okay, so and I was first going to try to just deal with his insurance company, and then no, they you can't. have a number. Yeah, you can't. So, you can't do that. Told me, you know what? This is a, not just a personal injury. This is a disability too. You're unable to work. I was off work ten months. I work twelve hours a week now at Walmart. If you can imagine, I don't make any money. So anyway, um, so I went ahead and hired this attorney who was recommended, and now this, this uh, orthopedic doctor I went to did MRIs on my uh, spine and my back. And he says, I got nerve damage in Whoa. my back. All right. Okay, uh, so. How much insurance does the other side have? Do you know? What? Do you know if the other side has good insurance? Okay, here's the problem. Why I'm calling you right now. Here's the point. Now the attorney, my attorney told me, this guy's only got $25,000 bought for bodily injury. Okay. So what can I do now? Nothing. Nothing. Whatever they give me. Nothing. Huh? Susie, they're going to write you a check for $25,000, and that's it. But you know what? I don't think that's going to happen like that, that because the attorney gets 33 and 3%. Right. And and you, but you already signed up. You're right. The attorney is going to get 33%. You have to negotiate with the attorney to go down because it's one of those policy limits. And you're going to have to just simply talk to the attorney because at this point, it's just uh, producing medical bills. Okay. And they're going to write you a check. They're, they're okay. literally going to write you a check for $25,000. And that's it. Tell them what? There, and just try to negotiate with the attorney, saying, hey, it's just now presenting medical bills. There's nothing to negotiate. There's nothing here. Okay, so she said, she, the attorney woman said she gets uh, pennies on the dollar from the doctor. In other words, she pays the doctor's pennies on the dollar. In other words, she's not going to pay the doctor that much. Right. She negotiates with the doctors. That's exactly okay, correct. Okay, so then I should negotiate with the attorney to not yep. take Yep, yep. That's, that's exactly what you do, Susie. Everybody can negotiate with everybody, and there's a really good argument you have for there's nothing left to negotiate. You're done. Now, negotiating with the vendors, the doctors, et cetera, yes, that's what your attorney does. But taking a third based on this case, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's not even ethical, in my opinion, although can you imagine I just use the word ethical and attorney in the same sentence? That's kind of scary, isn't it? Chuck. Hello, Chuck. Hey, good morning. Yes. Hey, my, my dad passed away uh, last year and left his estate to me and my brother and my sister. Um, I am going to get one of the houses. My brother's getting another house, and my sister gets a third of the, each house. So to pay her off, I need to come up with some money, and I can't get a loan until the house is in my name. Uh, would a promissory note cover something like that? Yeah, just you need an agreement, that's all, that is... Uh... Uh, that's enforceable, and it's uh, what happens is uh, whose name is now on the deed? Uh, my dad. Your dad. Okay, so I'm assuming there's an. Ex- this is all all in a will, correct? Not a trust. It's in a uh, will. Yes. Okay, so now who is the who is the executor of the will? My brother. Your brother. So what's going to happen is your brother is going to put the houses up for sale or. 
tell your sister, here is the money. There's nothing for her to sign off or protect her. Uh, only She's only a beneficiary under the will. So it's up to the executor to handle it all. And uh, she, uh, what she may want to do is contact a, an attorney uh, on her own, but there should be an attorney involved with this anyway, uh, an administrator. Is the attorney who wrote the will still around, Chuck? Yeah. Okay. She says she can't uh, represent me because she's representing my brother. Uh, oh, she doesn't represent the estate? I, because if she represents the estate, if she's the executor to will, she's not representing anybody. She's representing the estate, and it's up to her with the trust, uh, with the executor, uh, to make sure that everybody is given uh, the money uh, equally. And she may have to literally uh, either sell the property or figure out a buyout, and that's just a negotiation. So if so, you don't so we're know... Gonna go, we're going to buy out rather than sell. Okay, but then you have to figure out, you have to ascertain the value. There has to be an appraisal. She has to agree to it. Uh, so ask the attorney how all to do that, it. And all, if, of that's been, all of that's been done. All right, so what's I your just, question? Can she, yeah, how do I... How do I obtain a loan without it being in my name you're not going to how do i get it into my name because the executor is going to transfer the property to you because right now it's in the estate of your dad right and then what's going to happen is the executor is going to transfer the home to you to her and all at the same time a buyout will be arranged it's almost like a an escrow that that the executor is running a matter of fact it may very well be an escrow if the executor chooses to go into escrow or if you can't agree then the property is sold and the money is split up that's it okay okay and if everybody's on the same side you're home free it's one of those things you know how often uh, do I get calls ah my brother's trying to screw me ah family member whenever there's money this is just a procedural question and then it's always the same case. If everybody's on the same side, if no one's trying to, if no one's trying to screw anybody else, there's nothing that cannot be figured out. Nothing. Uh, it's any issue is surmountable. And if you don't agree, there's no issue that can be figured out. It becomes insurmountable. All right. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Welcome back for Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Chris. Yes. I'm wondering, I was served with a three-day notice to move out, and I'm blind. Oh. I thought it it was supposed to be 30 days. Well, no, there's a three-day notice to pay rent or quit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's not 30 days. No, that's a a three-day. Now... Uh, did you pay the rent on time? Yes, sir, on the first. Okay, then there, then your three-day notice to pay rent or quit is a waste of time, Chris. Yeah, she, but she said on, on the notice it says because we argue. No, and- no, that's, that would have to be a 30-day notice. That's not a three-day notice. And it yeah. probably has to be a 60-day notice, and it depends on whether there's rent control or not. I mean— I'm in California. Yeah, where in California? Um— Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah, I don't think there's rent control there. Uh, she can theoretically throw out. Not even theoretically. She can throw you out. But I think there is a uh, there's California statute regarding how much money she has to pay you. You want to uh, you know what you want to do? Call a landlord tenant attorney. It helps that you're blind too, because everybody feels sorry for you. How blind are you? Um, I, I can see out of my peripheral. That's it. Out, out of one eye. My left. I lost my left eye. Ooh, how'd you do that? 
Uh, diabetes. Oh, that's tough. I never controlled it. I had it since I'm 11. Oh, oh, that's tough. So, but you can see peripherally. Yeah, I can. All right. So, so when you read, so when you read, you 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 put your uh, head, uh, you face sideways, and then go down and look at the paper, right? No, I don't read nothing, man. I can't even look at women. I just, I just see objects. Well, frankly, there aren't that many women worth looking at, but. Uh, that's a value judgment that I have. Uh, you you want to you want to contact a landlord a tenant attorney. You really do, Chris. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Sir. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it, and it helps uh, that that you're blind. I mean, it really does because uh, people uh, do feel sorry for you and bad for you. Judges too, and a judge is probably going to do everything possible to give you every single break. Hey, Rich, you're up. Hello. Hey. Yes, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Thanks. Um, look, I'm going through a divorce right now, and it's a pretty basic divorce. Um, however, my uh, the, the other person um, is uh, has hired an attorney um, just to kind of run up expenses on me, and I'm wondering what is it I can use in court? Because well, I'm hang on, hang on a second, Rich. Uh, if I, are you are you the one that's making all the money? Uh, no. Okay, so uh, is it a woman or a man? By the way, on the other side. Well, Okay, just wondering. He kept on, you know, my the other side, uh, et cetera. Okay, so yeah, no, that's okay. And so, are you both making about the same money? Uh, yeah, we were we were at the time of the divorce, and that's the other question. It's like, is it based on at the time of the divorce, or is it based on now? Because it's a time. No, it's a it's a time that you. I think you separated. And I do believe that uh, she, the attorney, I mean, you just fight and have her uh, pay her own attorney's fees. That's what you're going to have to argue. And what right. you're, and if it's a simple, simple divorce, I mean, what is, what are they, what are they asking you for in the divorce? Uh, and that's the whole thing. She's kind of stonewalling this, this guy. I think basically she tried to get this guy on saying, hey, you know what, there's going to be something down the road. And I think she's kind of stonewalling him. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What are they asking for in the divorce? Nothing. That's the whole point. I can't get them to, to come to any, any agreement. I've already paid the spousal support ordered by the court. Okay, then what you do is, okay, this gets easy, is you keep on writing saying, I need an agreement, I need an agreement, I need an agreement. And by the time the divorce happens and they ask for attorney's fees, Rich, you're not going to be paying a dime. Okay. All right. That's simple. The judge is not going to give you, not going to give her attorney's fees when they, that's the side that wouldn't go through. Just not going to happen. Okay. So she's going to end up uh, paying the attorney. There's nothing around. There's no other way to do it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. You got it. Yeah. Especially under those circumstances. Hello, Mesa, uh, Mavis. Hello. Yes. My question is, I was living with someone who appears to have been a member of a new age group from things that they said during the time I was there. And that was for many years. And we established, I think, what's considered a civil union here in California. We met all those requirements. In the meantime, I have sent a letter, um, and they didn't respond to it within seven to ten days. It was just a friendly letter to acknowledge that, yes, they need to be responsible for you know, half of my living now because it was a civil union. What is they? You're talking about the person you were living with. Yes, I sent that person a letter. You you sent that person a letter. Okay. And uh, what does a new age group mean? Uh, Is it a cult? Is it, uh, what what is this? From everything that they said, it appeared to be a cult, but it, it was so gradual that it was not observable at first. And how long were you there? Uh, close to seven years, but mm. total 13. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. So uh, the your you sent the letter to your mate, your partner, uh, and uh, no response. Correct. No response. All right. So what's your question? So how do I go about this in a way that's not unfriendly? In other words, an effective way to to okay. make them responsible. You can't make you can't parents. make them respond, Mavis. All you can do is uh, f- eventually is file a lawsuit for uh, effectively spousal uh, support. Right? Although it's not spousal, it's uh, based on uh, what's the name of it? I keep on going. Uh, uh, well, okay, we'll call it spousal support. Uh, there's a name, and of course, I forgot because uh, here's what I do for a living: is forget. And then you just have to have that person served, and they have to respond. Believe me. And you have it served by either the marshal or a private investigator. That's what you have to do. How much money uh, right. How much money is uh, your partner making? Uh, they made 200000 a year up until about three years ago when they retired. So now uh, I assume they're uh, retrieving. Why is it a day? I mean, are we talking about a group of people? Is that the kind of cult it was? Uh, that person said they, quote, gathered seven others into a similar relationship, but not Wait a sec. Wait, 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 wait. You're, uh, you were with a person, or was this this group of people you were with? Pardon? Just one person. Okay, so forget about they. Uh, this one person supported you, correct? Uh, I had a job during the time, so I had my own personal little income, but then our, our money should have been split between the two of us, including the house. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. Uh, and you were together, what, 10 years? Well, it's been a total of 13, but actually living on the premises was seven years. It doesn't matter where you, it doesn't matter where you live, Mavis. Okay. Okay. It, it doesn't matter. You were with this person. This person was making two hundred thousand dollars. You're now making no money. Uh, you can't get hold of teaching money. Okay. Teaching money. You have to private piano. You know, hire hire a lawyer on this. You're going to need a divorce attorney. It's just that simple. You okay, need you need yeah. You need a family law attorney. It's just let's, let's cut to the chase right here. Okay. And, yeah. So and go, don't don't do a GoFundMe or anything like. No that. No one's going to give you any GoFundMe. What to pay you? I don't know. I've never experienced that, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. No one's going to pay you, Mavis. Okay, I got it. Okay, so hire a... What you want to do is hire a family law attorney. You can go to the website, handleonthelaw.com. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh, what's the other name for spousal support? God, people are screaming at it right now, on, the, on in, in, right into the radio. I know that. Um, uh, okay, never mind. This is Handle on the Law. This is KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hey, Rick. Rick, 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 you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yes, what can I do for you, Rick? Uh, Sorry. Um, My next-door neighbor during the last rain had flooded my yard with mud. And it ruined my pool equipment and um, a lot of structures around it. And I have a video of it from my cell phone, and I went to um, try to tell her what she did, and she owned up to it at the time when I walked next door, and I had a next-door neighbor on the other side go with me to uh, look at the damage, and uh, she said that she had flood insurance, and she changed her mind and said, no, I don't. I'll pay for it directly. And uh, so... She uh, owned up to it, and then when I got all the estimates and everything, went back over there to give her the 
the estimates, and she said, no, it's not my fault. I'm not paying for that. All right. How much money is it? What are you talking about, Rick, in terms of money? $10,000. Okay. Uh, you have homeowner's insurance, I'm assuming. I do, yes, sir. So why wouldn't you turn it over to your homeowner's insurance and let them worry about it? Because I don't have flood insurance. I don't know if that's a flood. Is that considered a flood? Yeah, I talked to my insurance agent. And your agent yeah. and your agent considers a flood? All right, that gets easy. Well, you're with you're within the jurisdictional limits of uh, the small claims court, so just take her to small right. claims court. Okay. That's it. Uh, There's nothing I, else. I no, nothing else to say. How's that for complicated? I love neighbor problems. Neighbor's tree, small claims court. Okay, thank you. Uh, tripping, uh, you know, I, well, no, the trip is that's a personal injury, but um, it's always neighbors and it's always small claims court. Wall, small claims court. Uh, dog, small claims court. Noise, small claims court. Pipe broke, small claims court. Hello, Steve. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there. Yes. So. Uh, I am a, uh, a widower. My wife uh, passed away six months ago, and uh, it was 32 years of marriage. I was officer on a cruise ship. She was a bikini model. It was wonderful, Handel. After 32 years, she's a bikini model? No, when we met. Oh, okay, because I was wondering, after 32 years of marriage, that's impressive. So either you married uh, someone 19 years old, uh, or you got your numbers incorrect. Okay, uh, yeah, so she was... So- all right, so she's a she was a bikini model, and you got married, which is great. Yeah. Well, it was great until I realized uh, her issues. So uh, she she uh, got sober uh, five years ago, and uh, and met a guy her very first day in the detox, and uh, you know, thirteen steps. So, long story short, she succumbed to the disease. She passed away. So now I am uh, got a new girlfriend, but she's down in uh, in a. Mexico, and I'm a sugar daddy. Oh, good for you. How old is she? She's 30-ish. Aha, uh-huh. and you are? 30 years older. Why would you describe it as you being a sugar daddy? I'm sure she loves you, for you. Yes, indeed. Okay. But, you know, it's, it's a complicated formula. No, I, yeah, I get that. Money and, yeah, I get it all. So, uh, Steve. Okay, I got it. No, no. It, good and good for you, Steve. You're not delusional. Yeah. I love it. I, I truly do. You know exactly where it's at, and I think it's spectacular. All right. So, what can I do for you, Steve? I I thought you might like that. I do. What? Uh, how do I cover my ass if I marry this gal? And she does not want to live in the U.S., so it's not about her getting paperwork to come up here. She's happy where she is, but you know, come up to visit all that. But, how do I cover my ass? Well, are you, well okay, first of all, uh, you're not going to get married, correct? I'm talking about it. Well, uh, I don't understand what covering your ass is when you are considering getting married. So you're going to get married, well, you're going to get married, you're going to live in Mexico, I'm assuming, right? Planning to have a place in Mexico, yes. All right, so what is your question about covering your ass? Uh, if I had a residency in the state in, in the United States, what state is the best one to be in to not get nailed if this thing... Now, Steve, there, re- there, Steve, there, there really isn't one. Uh, however, which are the, the more you spend time here without her, uh, the better the argument is. Is that uh, there's there's no place to go. You're not living together now. You may be giving her money, but there's a big difference in giving her money and supporting her. And that's going to be your argument. And I don't think is she going to hire a lawyer here and ask for alimony, which means she's going to have to come up here for depositions. And, yeah, Steve, I don't think it's a big deal at this point. I really don't. And are you reasonably happy? 
I mean, yeah. are you, I'm sorry, are you reasonably healthy? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't plan on croaking soon. Yeah. I just lost 60 pounds getting healthy. Oh, good for you, just so you can, uh, just so you can uh, get laid with a 30-year-old, right? Well, that might be one of the motivations. Okay, I got it. Uh, there's no way really around it. The, the longer you're with her and the more you support her, the stronger her argument is going to be for spousal support. And it doesn't really matter if you're married or not. Now, it could matter in Mexico. Uh, that, yeah, i got to figure that part yeah, out. You you know, need, damn it, handle, I just got done writing a $3,000 check a month over the last five years. Have you? Wow, that's a lot of money for her. Boy, you're not kidding. You're a sugar daddy. I was writing that to the ex that passed away. Oh, so you're ahead of the game. How much is how much is this one costing you? Uh, On a week. A hundred, four hundred dollars a month. Eh, You know, you're not going to get nailed. Pretty, yeah. I think you're going to be fine. Especially she's in Mexico. Just enjoy yourself. Interesting question. What's the best state, or how do I cover my ass to not pay her after she realizes that? No. If she's ready, if she's in her 30s and he's in his 60s uh, and he's paying her, my guess is he could hit 100 and they'd still be together. This is Handle on the Law.